Shazam! Hello, interwebs, and sorry for the spike in the audio for your ears. And welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Black Adam and Werewolf by Night are Marvel and DC's latest comic book adaptations. We're going to talk about them. Full spoilers ahead for both films, you've been warned. We had half a mind to complete the trifecta of entertainment discussion by including Tales of the Jedi in here too, but we couldn't get to it in time. Alas. Sadly. Alright, zooming into our medium shot now. Tell me, Ryan, what were your expectations going into Werewolf by Night? I was expecting something super spooky, because it was Halloween. Not Halloween-based, but, you know, it's, it's spooky season and, right now. Yeah. Werewolf, you know. And it was a special presentation, so I was expecting to be a little bit spooked. I didn't realize that it wasn't, like, a full movie. I knew it was just a special presentation, but I didn't realize it was 55 minutes. So as soon as I saw the time, I was like, I don't think I'm going to get spooked at all. But maybe it's just because I've seen a lot of stuff. But other than that, yeah, I didn't really have many expectations. I knew one thing was in it. It was spoiled for me. But other than that... yeah. Nothing else. I had zero expectations for this one. Marvel has, to put it kindly, not impressed me these past few years. Like you haven't heard that a million times on this podcast. So I meet all their new projects with trepidation. I also was surprised to see that it was only 55 minutes when I was, I was like booking out time in my evening for a two-hour movie just to cram it in last night before this podcast. And then I sat down and I'm like, 55 minutes? Sweet. I have an extra hour in the evening. And that also probably means they're using all their time wisely because a two-hour movie, they may have stretched it out longer than it needed to be. This is just an hour-long presentation, exactly as long as it needed to be, which I'll say that right away. You know, let's just get right into that, right into our close-up now. I like that it was only an hour because a lot of times these things feel the need to be artificially a movie just to say they did a movie or make a whole mini series when they don't really have a plot for that. Marvel series are notorious for that. So I like that this special presentation was like, you know what? We got a story to tell. It's too short for a movie. It's too short for a mini series. Let's just do a one-off hour. And that sets a really great precedent, I think, because I'd love to see Marvel do more of that going forward. Because I'm, I'm sick of what they're doing now. It's not working for me. More of this, please. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, Werewolf by Night was directed by Michael Giacchino, or Giacchino. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce his name. But uh, I think that's... Giacchino. I think that's pretty cool. He's actually... One of my favorite composers working right now. Probably my second favorite next to John Williams. His scores are just incredible. He actually composed the score for Werewolf by Night as well. I was keeping an eye out in the credits for his name. It was very good. Yeah. I think this might be his directorial debut as well. I don't think he's ever directed anything else. I've never... This is the first time I've ever seen his name attached as a director credit. He's always just been on scores. He does a lot of uh, Pixar stuff, and he did the, the Batman this year. Yes. That's cool. Yes, for score. And they're all, they're all good. I haven't heard it. One of my favorite scores of his was the Star Trek reboots. 
his score for that just it arouses me every time and I would I would hum it, but copyrights and whatever. Do so, it. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of, Joe? No, 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 no. Nope, that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought the score he did was uh, great for this. It was pretty, it was atmospheric, and it, it creeped me out more than anything else, really. I have this thing where I get weirded out by, like, these kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of operatic in, in a way, or nearly choir-like. I think the main example I think of to this kind of score is the Omen because they, they did this thing where it mm. sounds like going to church and it sounds like church music, but it's, it's more, I don't know, satanic in a way. So it, it sounds like church, but it's satanic and the werewolf by night soundtrack did a similar kind of thing that those kind of sounds just spook me out. I don't know what about it. It's just off. And it's awesome. So, yeah. I also like that uh, this harkens back to universal monster movies of the 1940s. Like, right away, mm-hmm. I, was, I was hooked into this thing from... Well, actually, from the opening Marvel credits where they're like, slash, <laughs> jump scared me. Are we saying? I think there's a specific shot when the werewolf shows up that is a direct homage to uh, that 1940s werewolf movie that it's escaping. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. You know what I'm uh, saying? Like that classic Universal. Yeah the the Wolfman. Yeah, Wolfman. That one. I th- it's I don't think it's like it. It just reminded me of it. Uh, I think because of the. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just the Wolfman, yeah. I think it just reminded me of the shot of when the Wolfman like first appears in the movie. Right. And not to say when the werewolf shows up in this is his the very first shot is what it is, but I think there was definitely a homage to it. Yeah. I love that even from the very from beginning after shots. yeah, after the Marvel Studios logo fades out, you get this title card for werewolf by night and this big bombastic music and as it's going it's Mm -hmm. kind of it's kind of slower paced to the black and white the the acting is super melodramatic and i even noticed at certain points there was little flickers of film grain on the screen to kind of give it that that old look you notice in the top right the uh yeah the cigarette burns yeah the projectionist so if anybody um, yeah. knows what Fight have has anybody seen Fight Club? Those were to tell the uh people who used to work in the movie theaters to switch the film. When the reels ran out. Back in the day, reels ran out. They usually come in like two or three maybe. To people who depending on the film. So whenever they saw that, that was their cue to start running the next film. And then when it clicked again, yeah. It was to play, which I didn't know. To people who are too young to understand what film reels are, are you maybe old enough to remember when you used to play PC games and they had like four discs you needed to install or if you were watching a really long movie and it was so long it couldn't even fit on one DVD so you needed to pop in another disc or flip the side? A lot of people could relate to that more than film reels. Yeah, just, yeah. just as an indication yeah. of... What that the was only example like. I have of that would probably be the Mass Effect 3 game came on two discs. 
And depending yes. on the mission you went on, you had to choose. You had to be like, insert disc two. And you'd be like, god damn it. And had to get up from your chair, plug it back in. And then you go back to the main menu. And it'd be like, insert disc one. It's like, god, I just did this for this mission. Yep, that's anyway. what flipping film reels was like. So what did you think of the plot of this thing? Very simple. I liked it. Personally, I... So I liked what they did. I liked the, the 55 minutes. They used it well. Personally, for myself, I feel like it could have used maybe 20 more minutes, mm. 10 to 20 more minutes, just to kind of set up the other hunters. Because the uh, only other hunter yeah. that we know of was like the Scotsman. Yeah. And, but the other, t- the other three didn't really know anything about them. Just cannon fodder. So they are just cannon fodder. I kind of, not that I need like a full on backstory, but I just want to know what their skill set was in there. And how they were able to, why they were there in the first place. But for the time they have, they don't slow down at all. Not really. It's breakneck pace. They didn't feel slow. Yeah. Pacing was very good. I I really enjoyed it. Kind of a surprise. Personally, because I just thought it was going to be like, okay, are they just going to do like a satire with it? Kind of like they did with the first couple episodes of WandaVision where they just take... yeah. Uh, and I love WandaVision, but when they just take the genre films from that era and, and then try to, yeah. yeah, try to copy it. Put a Marvel spin on it. And it was weird. And it was really weird because, and this is just me being a film geek, but they don't use film grain that harsh on it. Like, you can definitely see it flicker sometimes, but it's not in your face the entire movie. It was enough to notice and, it was there for the people who, like, appreciate yeah. that they're making a reference. It was definitely there for the big shots. Yeah. You could definitely tell. Yeah. And another thing I know, <laughs> this is just me being a film there, but they're playing, they're paying homage to like the 1940s monster movies, but they still have all these modern cinematography shots where it's still like the classic Marvel shots, the sweeping yeah. shots or whatever. The, yeah, I, know, I noticed so that So that, kind of, that didn't take me out of it, but it was kind of just like, if you're going to pay homage to it, kind of try to do some like 1940 shots. But I thought they did that kind of, at the very beginning, in the first, mm-hmm. in the first third of it, there were more, but it was more when they got to the maze and the action started. Then it started yeah. feeling like, okay, now we're taking the old stuff and modernizing it. This is this is still a Marvel show after all, not a full on genre homage. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the acting in this, like I said, was pretty melodramatic and over the top and i i know that's not going to work for Loved it. a lot of people but i i enjoyed it the the one lady yeah, I really loved it. the one lady especially the the stepmother played by harriet sansom harris she was especially Loved over it. the top every scene she was in she was giving it her all and that's got to be really fun as an actor just to say all right let loose let's just go as over the top as possible most actors don't get away with it yeah. except Nick Cage, but occasionally. <laughs> well, I accepted that because I knew what they were going for was this homage, like the 1940s, but also it's the crazy witch hunt or witch like hunters. And you always have to have like at least one crazy lady. And I think she knocked it out of the park. I really liked it. Yeah. I also really like the other... I just did. I just looked it up. Werewolf by Night is not 
does not tie into the MCU. So it's very much its own self-contained story, which is pretty cool that they just did that. Hmm. More of that, please. The first shot does... It ties it in super loosely. They showed a shot of the Avengers and they say, oh, this is yeah, what happens yeah, during the day. True. But there's other things that happen at night that you haven't seen yeah. yet. So that's its way of tying itself in. But yeah, please do more standalone stories. Marvel needs a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. But traditionally, that's always been Marvel's weakness as a brand, even in the comics. Well, it's a strength and a weakness. That compared to. We'll say Marvel compared to DC. I mean, we are talking about DC later. But DC started out more as a a bunch of individual characters. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. They were all kind of their own thing. And then at some point they said, oh, well, they can cross over. If only just on the covers at first, just to add sales. And then they started crossing over in the comics themselves, having team-up books. And that was pretty weird for the time but marvel comics has pretty and that's why you can take dc characters out of the dc world and they can still stand alone that's why you can have all these batman and superman movies without any of the other dc characters gotham city is a world all on its own you don't need any other character to have a batman world but with marvel marvel's always government How's the government not, like, nuked Gotham City at this point? The crime rate is insane. It's way more, much more than just, you know... Detroit? Like, a, like a, obviously it's based on New York and, like, Chicago and yeah. all that. But also, you have, like, local terrorists just walking around the whole time. Yeah. Just nuke the place. Maybe because Batman would find a way to just stop it, but anyway. The people. The people. The people. Anyway. Also, don't forget the corrupt politicians. You know, they... Mm, which there, ones? There's a lot of rich... <laughs> there's, a, there's a long list. There's a lot of rich and powerful people in Gotham who can prevent actual help being done. Anyway, yeah, my... my real estate's cheap. Yeah. Anyway, my, my other point is Marvel from the very beginning has worked more as a um, crossover kind of thing. Go back to the very start of Marvel. You were always seeing... The Fantastic Four crossover with Spider-Man, the Incredible Hulk, the Avengers, the Thor, Daredevil. There were always crossover stories baked in from the very beginning. They were never And Megan really... B. Stallion. She's been there from the beginning. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't bring She-Hulk into this. We talked about Next it. Next week is Lizzo. <sighs> oh, no. You... You're making me flashback. Oh, boy. To, I lost my train of thought because now I'm just thinking of the twerking scene again. <sighs> anyway, Werewolf by Night does its own thing. It's a little antithetical to what no one twerks in. Mar- no one twerks in Werewolf by Night. No, there's just there is a, that scene where the the uh, Elsa does a lot of dive rolling, but no no twerking. Yeah. Oh, th- I I have one pro. I only have like one strong critique. How the fuck is Elsa not dead? She gets her head slammed into like a concrete corner three oh, yeah, that times was, in a row. That was brutal. There's no, there's no blood. There's there was, no, like, there was. I, I did see it was whatsoever. There was. was there? Yeah, it was subtle, but it it should have been more. How is she not dead? <laughs> it looked pretty. Maybe it's her. Char- maybe it's her character that I just don't know. Where she just is 
ridiculously strong or resilient, but I don't know. Maybe that's another 1940s thing. Who knows? Because she does get cut later on. Yeah. But that took me out of it. I was like, you should be dead. Yeah. And that's when I, I got excited for... That's I got excited for a quick second because I thought, oh, they're just going to try and kill off each other to get this monster. And that's what I thought it was about. But then she just like kind of gets up like it's no problem. At least have a concussion. My God. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, one thing I did like about her character compared to other Marvel heroes, she is tough and resilient, but also I appreciated that she was scared a lot of the time. Whenever things were not going her way, she kind of flinched and cowered and was like, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to try to kill me now? Like when she was locked in the cage with the monster, there was the long protracted shot of her just in horror as the werewolf transforms. Which I thought was great. because That was the best shot in the whole piece. Yeah, and you just see the shadows on the wall. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's well, really here's good one of the Here's one of the tough parts is, that's a great way to get around the part, how do you do a werewolf transformation? It's probably the most technical and difficult things to do. Yes. And you can't ever beat the werewolf in London one. Yes. Where it's like, extremely painful so what do you do oh you just cast in shadow and then show your protagonist freak out in horror about just the disgusting transformation that's genius and you just let your imagination do wonders which once again i appreciate because not just for the technical reasons but it also makes her more vulnerable and relatable than just your typical stock hero stoic badass can kick all kinds of ass but they're just There's like a certain humanity they lack, but Mm -hmm. the fact that she could be a little scared while also being a badass gave her a little more humanity and made me just like the character more, what Mm -hmm. they did with her. It was a great acting choice that she did. I mean, she's stuck in a cage with a wild animal and she's trying to make herself, I don't know, I'm holding tape by the way, I don't know why. She's trying to make herself like not look and also as small as possible, so maybe the werewolf can't see her. Yeah. But, like, she can't look away at the same time. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. That was one, That was the best shot in the whole piece, and then probably also the reveal of the werewolf. Yes. And I, got, I actually clapped. I actually clapped because I was like, holy fuck, it's practical. That's yeah. why I clapped. <laughs> yeah, I was the, half it expecting it. It looked really yeah. good. And it, maybe because they set my expectations low with Man-Thing. The CGI on that was pretty dodgy, mm. but yeah, but the werewolf looked great. <laughs> it somehow looked worse in black and white. Yeah, actually. It was weird. He popped out and I was like, ooh. <laughs> the budget for Man-Thing was clearly not very big, unfortunately. But you know what? That was pretty much the only standout CGI bit that was... Not the best. The rest they managed to obscure through clever tricks. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome, I think. And, you know, it's cool that they're bringing in weirder elements like Man-Thing and werewolves and monsters. I love that how much lore they established in under an hour. A history of these monster yeah. hunters and a family lineage. These, just these weird people and a whole other side of the MCU that we haven't been shown so far. So that's... That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And I want to yeah, see more of this world. Yeah, I would love to world. see... 
yeah, I would love to see, it doesn't even have to be set in the MCU, but I would just love to see the people who created this do like a full-on Monster Hunter movie. Yeah. Where they try to fight all these monsters. Uh, especially with Elsa in the role. Maybe Jack's there too. I like as soon as he was like, "Oh, my name's Jack." I was like, "Really? You couldn't have picked a more basic fucking name." <laughs> and I know it's basic, so it's not like hard to remember because it's only fifty-five minutes with each character. But I was just like, "Really, <laughs> Jack?" No offense to Jacks out there, but I was just like, I also think it brings up some interesting ideas about the humans are very sure that the monsters are evil and hurt innocents and should be eradicated. But some of the monsters aren't that bad. Some of the monsters don't want to hurt people. But I thought it was interesting that the humans weren't necessarily just straight up evil bad guys. Like, they did have a point. Monsters do tend to hurt innocent people. And like you see with the werewolf, when they are uncontrolled, they can cause a lot of damage. So the humans totally have a point in what they're doing. Most of the time, the point, the problem is that they have this xenophobic, all or nothing attitude, but the humans are so Mm -hmm. barbaric as well. They are kind of monsters on their own. Everybody's a monster in this, I think, is the idea. Some monsters are just a little more morally upright than others. Yeah, it sucks no one brought a gun. (laughs) Where's the fun in that? I know, I know. I'm just looking up the time period. Oh, it actually says 30s or 40s, apparently. 30s or 40s? Or, hold on. Da-da-da-da, it looks the black and white mod. Nah, it's just... Nah, I guess it just doesn't really say. I was gonna say, no way, no way it could be a period piece, because I remember seeing there was a, there was a sign when she was locked in the, in the mausoleum. There was a sign, I remember at least... It said subscribe to Disney+. Plus. Oh, sure. <laughs> like in She-Hulk, when she literally comes out of the on the Disney Plus page. Why am I talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. that show still? But in the mausoleum... Because you love She-Hulk. <sighs> there was a sign in the mausoleum... I am Daredevil! Said, <sighs> it didn't happen. I don't know why it still bothers you. Don't worry. <laughs> One of her relatives died in 1985, so I know it was... Before, after. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. And there was also that. uh, All the family being buried. There was also that hilarious scene with the, when Jake, or Jack, yeah, Jake. When Jake has the, the, the bomb, that little bomb was not, you know, 1930s technology. When he's trying to get into the crack, just throw it at the wall, it'll stick. And I thought that was so relatable because I feel like things like that have happened to me in less severe circumstances Mm -hmm. where it's like. Throw it. it. It'll stick to the wall. And then it just bounces off and you're trying to yeah. hide. And like, what the? <laughs> and he's, he's going with the yeah, timer. Yeah, that, that was good little, like, slapstick, but also not over the top as well. I thought the humor was good in this. It wasn't, it didn't take over, like, so many other Marvel projects no. of late. It was more balanced. This is the Marvel yeah. I prefer. I felt like I didn't realize, I don't know, maybe I just misinterpreted it. But I didn't realize it was fair game for just the hunters to kill each other. Mm-hmm. They didn't you know, make that clear. I know, I, I know she said, I know she said all hunters, like, it's a free for every hunter for themselves. But it wasn't like they could just kill each other. 
I didn't know that was established. And I know they're trying to get this stone that basically probably destroys all, well, helps destroy all monsters or weakens them. It weakens them and makes the wearer more powerful, I think it is. Yeah. So I guess they're power hungry as well, but also if I was there, I'd be like, dude, the fuck? I can just leave. <laughs> I'd rather leave. Yeah. And one of one of the subtle things I liked about the actual bloodstone is whenever it was on screen, you could see the glare from the redness of the bloodstone kind of affect the camera, uh, doing yes. like an artificial lens flare. I thought that was really cool to have the whole thing set in black and white and have that ha ha also have the glare as well just helped it pop a bit more. Oh yeah, that kind of reminds me. They did that blood splatter thing on the camera you love so much. I I let it go for this one because the blood splatters were so bad. <laughs> I know why they were so bad because it's 1940s. They look two-dimensional, and I was just like, okay, I understand why you did it here. But And they're also trying to I obscure... Like it. I nearly wonder if that was a uh, a post-filming thing that wasn't the plan, <laughs> but Marvel was like, this is too gory, it'll get an R rating, we can't have that for our special on Disney+. Or Plus. maybe it was just... Okay, fine, yeah. we'll cover it up. Like, we, we put that there just to, Like, we knew it could be covered up. We planned for that, but we hoped secretly we could just show the gore. <laughs> I nearly yeah. feel like they, they planned for both. I don't know, but I think I would have done that as a filmmaker. I would have been like... There were some gory moments, but nothing that was like too over the top. Like that bit when Elsa stuck the sword in the lady's head. That was gory. Mm -hmm. That was like, great. Oh, this is Marvel? Cool. I think someone's throat got cut too, maybe. I think she sliced, cool. a, she sliced a few people's throats open. Oh yeah, yeah. and then there was that Elsa's bit when badass. she she uh, launched the... the 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 wrist crossbow through the guy's head. Yeah. That was kind of gory, that too. That was great. Okay, so there, there is gore in this. And it was good. A bit of gore. We're just so desensitized to it. We've seen too much. That's what happens when you play violent video games for 20 years and grow up in, mm -hmm. in, a, in a cynical world where they show all this, you know, horrifying things on the news. It's a, it's a post-9-11 world, and... We just grew up yeah. around violence around us all the time, so it's like, yep, that's, this is just normal. There's always yeah. things that when my mother or grandmother or whoever, they, they watch things and they're horrified by the violence, like, oh, it's so gory, and I'm just, like, eating popcorn. What? What's You're your problem? You're just prob like, it's just the Wizard of Oz. Like, chill out. Yeah, what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> what's your problem? She melts. Who cares? I'm melting, I'm melting. All right. Yeah. I found it really I don't I had a funny reaction when everything went to color. I was like her jacket's red. <laughs> I don't know why. It was that, so like took me off guard. I was like, yeah, so saturated. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a like, way huh. deeper red than Interesting. She kind of gave me Jessica Jones vibes for a little bit. Agreed. Yes. Yeah, she does have that kind of vibe. But almost a little less witty, but also she wasn't trying to be witty at the same time. Yeah. Like, she she accepts help from at least Jack. But yes. uh, I wanted to mo know more about Elsa. I want to know why she... That's why I need 20 more minutes. I want to know why she left, who she trained with, and who the mother is. Like, the real mother, not the stepmother. Because she was like, oh, you left 20 years to le uh, not train. It's like, well, I didn't train with you. So that got me thinking, did she train with some master? Did she train with her mother? 
the ex-wife. Part of me also figures like that'd be cool, but it also doesn't real like do, does it really add anything to the story to have seen or to know more about that? The fact that I kind of like that it leaves us asking those questions oh, and, yeah. w- and wanting to know more than telling us everything and making us wait 20 minutes just mm-hmm. for exposition. So it was wanting yeah, wanting more for me is a good thing. Yeah. It it's better than wanting less of something. So I think we're uh, we should wrap this bit up now and move on to Black Adam. Yeah. On the whole, uh Werewolf yeah. by Night, not much to it really, but I was entertained for an hour and I think Marvel needs to do yeah. more projects in this vein. It's worth a watch. If you want to watch if you want to watch something that's not as gory with your whole family for Halloween just to have that spooky vibe, this would be a perfect fit for it. This is the first quote-unquote post-MCU, post-MCU uh, Halloween thing that they're doing, and I think they kind of nailed it. So I definitely would watch it again next year around. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so zooming back out to our medium shot for Black Adam. So, Ryan didn't actually see this movie. Tell the good people why not. The end credit scene got spoiled for me on TikTok, and I said that was enough. <laughs> I said I got what I wanted out of this movie. Right. No, I just, I've been very busy, so I will eventually watch this. I've seen, I did, however, I looked up clips online because, weirdly, DC just keeps throwing clips online of just fight scenes. And okay. uh, they're very well done. Well, that's pretty much all this movie is, is just extent, like long fight scenes. It's, it's very action heavy. They're, they're, very, they're very cut together. They're not like full, the full fight scenes yet, but they're I see, filmed I see. pretty well. It's very colorful. And then I saw, oh, we'll get into it, but I was like, yeah. that actor is in this movie? <laughs> so I saw it. I'm a huge DC fan, have been my whole life. Though I'd never been big on the Shazam family side of that universe, I knew who Black Adam was and the barest bones of his story, but I questioned the idea of giving him his own film. Because to me, he was just a Shazam villain, and I wasn't convinced he'd have enough depth to carry his own film. But The Rock seemed passionate about this project. He's only been talking about it constantly for the last eight years. Never thought it would he was even only cast in Yeah, he was only cast in like 2007 or something like that. Like something <laughs> ridiculous. He's been talking about it ever since, just nonstop. Every time I see something about The Rock, yeah, Black hell, Adam. Yeah. And, yeah. It's but, on its way. You know what? His enthusiasm basically single-handedly convinced me to at least give the thing a shot because he's, he's, he was passionate about this movie for years. And he, he's mm-hmm. got everyone hyped up. Like, he cared about it so much so i figured okay this is clearly a passion project for him so i think there'll be at least a bar of quality he cared enough about it to do something worth an audience's while which i guess he did judging by the rotten tomatoes scores the critic score right now is sitting hovering around 30 something percent but the audience score is 90 so this is one of those films that Yeah, sure, the critics aren't going to love, but the audience sure seems to enjoy it. And like most things. And well, I'm I'm a critic, so I got to I got to do the critic thing and tell you 
what I liked, what I didn't like about the film. And you know what? I will say I understand the critic score. Because from a critic's point of view, this isn't a great movie. It's, there's a lot of, there's way too many characters vying for screen time, for one thing. You have Black Adam, the, trying to flesh out his entire backstory. There's characters in his backstory. Then there's the characters he meets in modern-day Kondok, which is where the movie is set. And then they try to introduce the JSA, Justice Society of America, and they're a big part of the movie as well. And then you have other characters who kind of pop in, like Amanda Waller, who comes in as cameos. And if you haven't seen the other DC movies, you might not even know who she is. But a lot of the characters in this movie are introduced for the first time. So there's just so much going on. There's all this lore to build out, too, for his whole backstory. You got to know the entire history of Kondok, or at least the important bits. There's just, there's so much going on, and not a lot of it gets to balance that well. It's enough so you know what's going on, but not enough that I can say everything was... It got as much depth as it needed to. If certain things were cut, the movie would have been less fun, but it also would have been more streamlined. Mm-hmm. So I, so once again, I get why critics don't like. It's also big and bombastic, and not necessarily all that thought provoking or intelligent or has anything really deep to say. There's a lot of this is. There's a certain spectrum with comic book movies. There's the stuff that, I'll say, like, Zack Snyder movies or whatever, or something like Logan, even. The movies that take themselves super self-seriously and are trying to tell grounded character drama stories. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, you get, you know, Taika Waititi's Thor or whatever. Just, just full out, this is a goofy genre, guys in capes and tights beating up each other and, you know, have this destructive power, but, like, trying to see the the comedy in the situation because it is so ridiculous. Black Adam sits somewhere in the middle. In a lot of ways, it is a self-serious character drama, but also it's, it's it's pretty cheesy in a lot of parts. Like, one of the first signs of the cheesiness that, that I noticed was when he gets freed from his prison at the start, and then he's this army is trying to, like this army all shows up and converges in the one place as soon as he gets out of his prison, and then he starts annihilating them with lightning to the Rolling Stones painted black. And he's it's it's just this whole action sequence where he's just desolate. I heard there was one very cheesy line that he says. It's something on the lines of "Are you ready to die?" or to like some somebody. He says something like that, and I was just like, really? <laughs> well, part of it is, part of the movie is, there's this family he meets after he's freed, and the kid in that family is a massive superhero fan. He's got Justice League. It's Vin po- Diesel. <laughs> well, he's a well, family. <laughs> he's got Justice League posters all over his wall and everything, and well, just for some context on the history here, Teth Adam was... A, a hero of Kondok a couple thousand years ago. He was the first champion of 
the wizards who gave Shazam his powers. And Kondok, he freed Kondok at the time and then disappeared. But, and then Kondok is taken over. Basically, Kondok is a victim of colonial powers. Not necessarily Europeans, but just anybody who wants a piece of their resources, their land, comes in and has been taking advantage of them for thousands of years. They used to be one of the most powerful nations on Earth. And then they were just one of those one of those states that just constantly got carved up and disrespected and never was really in charge of themselves for all this time. They're just an oppressed people. But they always remembered their champion. So this kid is a going back to the kid, he's a his mom's a professor and she knows all the history. She's a history professor, I think, and she knows all the histories. So he grew up being a fan of the Justice League, but also of his own Kandaki heritage and the hero known as Black Adam. So when he finally meets Black Adam, he kind of combines the the new and old. And Teth Adam is a very stoic guy. So so the re- my whole point is he he tries to tell Black Adam that if he's going to be a superhero, he needs to have catchphrases. And the reason that's kind of cheesy is because Black Adam's trying to do these catchphrases, but he doesn't he's a couple thousand years old and he doesn't really get the concept. So he keeps throwing these catchphrases. Yeah. Okay, oh what okay, now I remember the one. There's there's a line the catchphrase he tries to say is tell them the man in black sent you. But half the time he says uh. it, he kills the guy first. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then he says, tell them the men in black sent wow. you. And the kid's like, no, no, you, you can't kill them first and then say the line. You have to, that, that's not how that works. And he's like, oh, okay, wow. I, I get it. I get it now. Interesting. So that killed a few birds with one stone. I just explained the whole backstory just to tell you why he says catchphrase is weird. But. Gotcha. So that explains why it's cheesy? That's part of it. For sh- well, the that mm. line. It explains why the cast In defense is cheesy. of. Yes, I, I do need to do a little bit of that because cheesiness is one of those things some people can tolerate, other people cannot. If you watch this movie and you're one of those cynical people who can't take cheese, you'll probably find it really dumb. Maybe there'll be some entertainment value for you. But if you can handle a bit of cheese and just kind of go with the flow and take it for what it is, it's this weird mishmash of cheesy superhero cape flicks and along the lines of the Marvel movies, but it's also got the self-seriousness of other more grounded movies too. So it's just in its bombastic action. It's just, it's, um, it's kind of this weird sweet spot for superhero movies. You don't usually see, which I feel like it's, it's nearly like reading a comic book. These are kind of like, the comics that I read, you know, in, in DC and Marvel, it's just, it's goofy, but serious at the same time. So not for everybody, definitely, but I don't even know if it really knew what it was going for, but it does it with conviction. I'll say that. <laughs> it's just Very itself for better or for worse. It's just trying to be itself. And it's, it's, it, I think it does that well. That's good. Uh, let's see. Well, yeah, just looking up clips here. I'm looking at. Uh, looks like the it's still shot well. It's not as shaky as 
you know, some action scenes are and all that. I don't know if I can get behind Dr. Fate not having eyeballs in his helmet. That was weird to me as well. Yeah, I don't know if I can get behind that. He does have eyeballs for literally one shot in the movie. At the very end, Uh, he takes the helmet off and then the eyeballs come in for a a second. It was strange. And now he's serious. Oh yeah, and speaking of strange... All the people who are going to whine, Dr. Fate, you're similar to Dr. Strange. He came first. Okay. Dr. Strange yeah, is a ripoff of Dr. Fate. So don't go into the Black Adam movie being like, oh, they're ripping off Marvel. Actually, Dr. Fate was created in the early 1940s. Dr. Strange came around 20 years later. There's a concept called time. Yeah. They both, they both rip off each other. So it's tough for some they were around before the movie. I'm, I'm saying Marvel. Yeah. I'm saying Marvel and yeah. DC both rip off each other all the time. But Marvel rips more on DC than the other way around. Look at all the best yeah. characters. DC rips off Marvel, but nothing successful. Marvel's ripoffs of DC are some of their most popular characters. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. Once again, Doctor Strange is way more popular than Doctor Fate, but he is a ripoff. Yeah, and some of Dr. Fate's powers are more, they're a different type of illusion, too. Which is why I think Warner it's, Brothers even let him, them use Dr. Fate in the first place. He's different enough that you can have him in a world where Benedict Cumberbatch, Dr. Strange, is, just yeah. got a movie this year, and they won't feel too similar. Yeah, he's have, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but Dr. Fate's powers are more entwined to, like, Egyptian lore. Is that right, or is that something else? Honestly, I'm not well-versed on Dr. Fate's history. I know mm. he his helmet contains the spirit of an ancient god in a group yeah. called the Lords of Order, and they're kind of the opposite of the Lords of Chaos. They're kind of a universal force keeping order in the galaxy. And Dr. Fate is just he can channel that power through the helmet. That's uh, Kent Nelson. Speaking of Dr. Fate, Pierce Brosnan's the standout performance of this movie. He was incredible. Oh, good. He was, he was really good. I'd say his, his performance, I think, was the most solid all around in the film. I, I expected him to be good, but he was one of the few by the end, besides Black Adam himself, probably. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm on board with this character. I like this guy. This is a good adaptation of Dr. Fate, as far as I know him. Anyway. How's Noah Centineo? (laughs) Noah Centineo. Gotta see the... Adam Smasher. He was the comedic relief. (laughs) Yeah. How was he? He was good. As soon as I saw him, I was like, really? The fucking Netflix boy? So the JSA in this version anyway, just has four members. It's got Dr. Fate, Hawkman, they're the veterans, and then two newer people, Adam Smasher and Cyclone, who are a lot younger. And, you know, it's not like the, exactly like the JSA of the comics where it's all the old-timers on one team. There's a couple old-timers, a couple younger as well. And this is his first mission, but he keeps screwing everything up. When he turns into a giant in the middle of the city streets, he ends up smashing a lot of priceless relics <laughs> and stuff and just constantly messing up 
The giant, actually, that's one of the most interesting points of the movie, is that when Black Adam breaks out of his prison, Amanda Waller sends the JSA to deal with him because she knows how dangerous he is. But when they get to Kondok, the people of Kondok basically just see them as another invading force, another foreign intervention coming onto their lands to decide their fate for them and trying to fight and capture their traditional folk hero who they already saw kill all the soldiers who were oppressing them. So the JSA to the people of Kondok look like real pricks. They come in, destroy the city streets, fight their folk hero, destroy relics, cause a lot of destruction for, as far as the people can tell, no good reason. So I thought it was interesting what they did with the, the people of Kondok. They, they had a political influence, and the part of Black Adam's power comes from his connection to the people and how they see him as their hero. And even by the end of the movie, he decides to become the protector of Kondok. All these foreign invaders and interventionists, they're not welcome. Kondok can stand alone, and Black Adam is its protector. He can't really leave. Yeah. Or, um, well, that, and that's a good transition to the post credit scene, where Amanda Waller says, okay, I'll let, you, I'll let you be around Black Adam, but if you ever set foot out of Kondok, I, I, I got some things that'll, uh, it won't, it won't go well for you, basically. And he says, there's nothing in this world that can stop me. And she says, okay, well, then I'll send something out of this world. Da, 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 da. Superman. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that's a great reappearance from Henry Cavill. Just to walk through the. All the dust and clouds, just to have him back. It's so great. So good to have him actually back. With the John Williams theme and the little curl and the bright suit. And like, okay, they're, they're, yeah. they're making a signal I can here. Re- I couldn't really tell because, again, someone was filming off their phone. So I didn't really hear the music. I just heard, ah! Oh, yeah, they had the John Williams score in there, too. He had, the, he had a more prominent curl. His suit was a lot brighter. Well, what was really was funny? Just... What was really funny, it was... Uh, so the Black Adam movie came out on the Friday, and I think on Sunday, or Sunday or Monday, Henry Cavill posts on Instagram, I'm back as Superman. Yes. So it's just like, a part of me was like, oh, that's cool that he just shared that, but you also just spoiled the movie in a weird way. Not yeah, really spoil it, but... But, like, that was a very badly kept secret. The movie wasn't even out. Yeah. I saw the movie that either the... It was the day after it came out, and I already knew that twist. It came out, that mm-hmm. twist came out before the movie was even out. Only reason yeah, I like didn't really care. Before it was out. Yeah, I didn't really care because it was a post credit scene, though. So I was kind of yeah. waiting for him to show up, but I'm like, I know it's the post credit scene. And that's why I'm sticking around for it. It wasn't that important. Did The, the Rock ever just... raise his eyebrow? Ever Not do like I... raise his eyebrow? Because that Probably. was his thing in the WWE. It's called the People's Eyebrow. I don't recall if he or did, not but the People's he... Eyebrow, but that's his thing. But he probably did. Uh, yeah. From what I look, the fight scenes look pretty good. Oh yeah, they were they were really well I'm choreographed. Just, I'm, they were really well I'm shot and choreographed. On, I'm iffy on the Noah Centennial casting. I don't it's know pretty, why. I'm just iffy on that. 
The action's pretty brutal, too. Seeing Hawkman go toe-to-toe against Black Adam is a fight I didn't know I wanted. Mm -hmm. But they fight multiple times in this movie because they end up... The JSA ends up grudgingly working with Black Adam to defeat worse bad guys. But it's a very tense alliance, and they nearly end up fighting multiple times in the movie. Hawkman is just so annoyed with Black oh, yeah, Adam who's like the, whole the who's like the who's supposed to be the antagonist of this movie well it's Black Adam's movie so arguably the JSA at first hmm. are like they he spends the entire middle of the movie fighting the JSA and then there's the military guys who were fighting him the oppressors of Kondok and one of their guys okay so a little more cultural backstory here for Oh, here we go. <laughs> in Black Adam's time, there was an oppressive king who was in charge of Kondok when it was at its peak. And he's the king that... And the king is the one Black Adam killed and to free Kondok in the first place. This... The main bad guy at the end... is the last remaining descendant of that king who wants to restore the monarchy to Kondok because he thinks that was when Kondok was at its best. So after the, him and the JSA finally put their differences aside, they, they team up to stop the bad guy, who I've, I've heard the criticism the bad guy kind of comes out of nowhere in the end. That's a little bit true. It is kind of a shoehorn third act battle. But also I didn't care because the movie is just fun and it wasn't that out of left field. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just enjoying this. It's, it's not, it's going back to what I said before. It's not good writing, but I'm having fun. And sometimes that's yeah. all you need. This is just a as fun as movie. Had fun. Yeah. I'm just waiting for The Rock to actually. So not to say that any of his movies or most of his movies are bad, but I'm just waiting for him to just make an actual great movie. Like, most movies that he's ever produced, besides maybe The Rundown, has just been good. There's nothing that's been, like, great. He's and very... And you can argue, like, Fast and Furious movies, but if you're that type of fan. But there's just nothing that's been objectively just great. And I'm waiting... Because he, yeah. he has the charm and the charismatic charismatics to do a leading role. We all know that. Yeah. So I just want to see him do something great. Yeah. Besides fight a giant white gorilla. I think The Rock kind of, he, he does movies for the everyman. The movies we consider great, you know, let's be honest, we're a little bit snobbish. So a lot of the movies we consider great are probably a little more intellectual, leave you with something. The Rock does movies that most people want to see, where it's just big guys killing things, doing explosions, big a little melodramatic, bombastic, loud, uh, just... That's fair. He, he does movies for the average moviegoer, so they're never going to be great. But they are surprisingly... No, I get... But they yeah. are, the fact that he even does good movies like that is surprising, though, because most of those movies are trash. But The Rock does the everyman thing, but they're actually good. Right. Not great. I agree with you, not great, but they're I good. I get that, but... But there's been, like, other people in his background that have done great things. Like, John Cena's done Peacemaker. Fucking... Yeah. 
Like even in the action genre, Bruce Willis did Die Hard. Sylvester Stallone did the Rocky movies, which are phenomenal. Dave Bautista has done Guardians and the Avengers. So I'm just Dude. waiting for The Rock to... And in, I'm not saying this movie is like he's not in the fucking writer room. I'm just waiting for something to like have a little bit more compelling narrative towards it. I just think he has he has the star power to it. And then when people like, yeah, he's great in it, but also the movie's fucking excellent, they would that would be great. You know what he needs? What? James Gunn. He's the one who took Peacemaker and Dave Batista. Oh, yeah. I think he's running the uh, DCEU now or something like that. That's a twist. And a giant middle finger to Marvel for firing him. Hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Hey, James Gunn. We're just gonna we're just gonna take you to do Peacemaker. Oh, you well, want to do Guardians three? Well, he's still doing three. Yeah, you want to do Guardians three? That's still fine. doing Guardians three. Yeah. Yeah, but like, we'll take you. We'll give you your passion projects: the Suicide Squad, Peacemaker. Take whatever you want, man. Oh, and how about you run DC Studios too? Because we like you that much. Marvel fired you, but I we trust like him. you that much. Me too. I haven't seen James Gunn superhero projects. I've been disappointed by thus far. Like no. most of his stuff even is guardians most... 2 which some people don't like i like still it better fun watch i like it better than one is yeah, it me a, too. is it a critic in me is it as good as one no but i like it better no mm. and james gunn hasn't disappointed me in his superhero movies yet so i i'm happy to see him in charge and i hope he does more interesting things uh let's see i was wondering else. if shazam was gonna pop up but no. That might have been weird to have both Shazam. Oh, that'd be a cool movie, though. Shazam versus Black Adam also fighting Superman. That's going to happen. Because they do that in the comic. They do it in the comics and the cartoons all the time. So just to see those three actors, that would be a great movie. See, DC, hire me. I can help I, you out. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day as a, as a DC nerd growing up. I, I never thought I'd see the day. The Rock we... actually be Black Adam. <laughs> no, no. I mean, where we get a because it's been production hell for years. Not no. Well, that too. But I just mean, well, first of all, getting a Shazam movie at all was way out of left field. But getting a Black mm-hmm. Adam movie and then the Shazam sequel comes out in a couple months. Tell childhood me, yeah, Shazam and Black Adam are both getting live action movies in one year, and I'd be like, well, huh? Really? Yeah, I'm like the fact that Shazam gets adapted at all is surprising enough to me. What do you mean Black Adam's getting a live action movie too? What what world is the future, Little Joe? Um, where Noah Centineo runs the entire DCEU. One day, I know you don't really know who he is. I have no idea. But he he does all the he does all he did all the like the teen Netflix movies that came out the past like five years. Oh, like the to all the boys I loved before sierra burgess like he did all that so it's that's why i say it's a weird casting because and obviously he himself is trying to break that type cast as kind of like the ya stuff this is probably not the movie that he does that and i believe he has acting chops because you wouldn't do all those movies without you know having some talent he was good in but this. uh i just it's a strange casting but if you say he was good in it then yeah so it, it just definitely felt like a like a popular casting choice as popular as you can be besides besides The Rock and Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> I had no idea who he was, but if he brings in another crowd, fine, great. Get as many people to see this as possible. It's good. Mm. I enjoy it. If you want decent entertainment, you know what? It's surprisingly rousing. The score is pretty awesome in it, too. Really pumps you up. 
The Rock is just a badass hero. Sometimes it's just fun to see an anti-hero. He somehow got bigger for this role, eh? Yeah. He looks bigger. Sometimes it's just fun to see anti-heroes slaughter evil people in brutal ways. Hell yeah. And the JSA yeah. is cool too, because they're actually heroes who are like, we don't kill, and they kind of save the bad guys sometimes when Black Adam's kill. Like, the JSA are fun. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's really good in the role of Black Adam. His passion shines mm -hmm. through. Um, I bet you there's going to be clips of, like, the JSA's, like, heroes don't kill people, and then they're just going to cut to Zack Snyder's Superman and Batman just killing people over the past 100%. five to six years. 100%. But the JSA actually doesn't kill anybody... On purpose, yeah. they actually try to save people. So, and some people are like, "Well, Superman killing Zod is defensible, or you can defend that, and you can defend that." But his opening scene in the just in the Batman v Superman is him taking just a goon through like five walls, <laughs> and in real life, he would be obliterated. So, maybe Man. he's in the hospital. Who knows? Anyway, I'm so happy Henry Cavill's back. Me too. That's, yeah. Henry Cavill is my man crush. I watch basically anything with him in it. Like, He's name it, I've probably seen it. Even stuff that you wouldn't He's, yeah. necessarily remember. He's just passionate about almost everything he's in. He takes everything so seriously. And I don't know how Henry Cavill managed to play so many iconic characters. He plays Geralt of Rivia, Sherlock Holmes, Superman. The guy just finds himself in these iconic roles even the guy in mission impossible 6 he's become like a yeah. iconic uh character yeah. actor yeah an iconic character um like high profile not, characters like but yeah yeah he was in the running just for the james mustache bond. alone and that yeah. whole he was even in the running for james bond at a point too so yeah, they said they, they wanted him, but he was too young, and now I think he's just too gigantic. He's, <laughs> he's too yeah. big now. All right. My so... next vote for James Bond is Richard Madden. Richard Madden. Who was in Game of Thrones and He was in he's in a Netflix show called The Bodyguard, maybe? Just okay. yeah, look him up. You would know him. I advocate for He played unknown. he played Icar he played Icarus in Eternal. Oh yeah, him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he'd be a good I advocate for an unknown myself. I think a lot of the best Bonds have been nobody. Yourself? You want to be Bond? The name's Bond. James Bond. I would just love to, like, Bond and it's just you and Martini, but I want the Martini to be, like, double the size. Just just to emphasize, like, hey, it's me. Vodka Martini, shaken, not stirred. All right. Do I look I... like I give a damn? <laughs> All right. What a great so line. Black Adam's fun. Werewolf by Night's fun. All right. That's, uh, that's basically They're getting it. good again. Henry Cavill's back. Watch yeah. ben, ben Affleck's watching this on his couch, and I'm like, fuck, now I gotta come back. My favorite uh. franchises are getting good again. Werewolf by Night's good. Henry Cavill's back. David Tennant's back. We're, we're... Oh, are, yeah! Things are looking up <laughs> for my favorite stuff. Star Trek's good again, teeth. too. Strange New Worlds is incredible. I love it. Before this year, oh, I was done with... Andor is incredible. I love Andor. It's great. It's, like, it's one of the best Star Wars I've ever seen. Like, everything is good this year. Haven't House of the Dragon redeemed Game of Thrones. I never watched Game of Thrones, but even House of the Dragon's good if you were, if you were disappointed by that. Like, everything is good this year. I'm so surprised. This will be our next review. Yeah. We're filming it right Alrighty. now. 
All right, so where can we find you, Ryan? You can find me at Ryan Walker Official on Instagram and on TikTok, and also the Close Up YouTube channel. That's right, I'm plugging it this time. Fantastic. Right, now you do the professional. You do the professional way. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Thoughtplane Media and our Facebook page of the same name. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel for the video. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Find further film discussion and entertainment reviews on thoughtplane.ca forward slash articles. And if you'd be so kind, you can support Thoughtplane Media on Patreon, link below. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Shazam! Shazam!